F-Y-A, let's talk. F-Y-A stands for fuck your agenda. Here we are back. It was just it was just you, me, and a dream a year ago. Just you, me, and a dream. That last one that you were a guest on, Mikey Beats, was called Oyster Fest 2015, A Victory Lap. Victory Lap, yes. yes. And we had Reader Andy. We had... Uh, Dan Brozo, a whole bunch of other cast characters around. But I don't want to go to North Park anymore. We live over here. I, my ears pop when I go to North Park. I don't know what happens. You know, Pacific Beach, California gets a bad rap. Yes. And if you go to North Park or Gaslamp, and you were at the Gaslamp last night, mm-hmm. I mean, we're in third place now. <laughs> Douchism, as douchism goes, is just reigning supreme in what's supposed to be the hipster capital of the, of the San Diego County planet. Yes, it's infectious. It's uh, getting into all corners of the county. Uh, it's even infecting Logan Heights, which I'm blown away. <laughs> Tight jeans and fixed gears. Who would have thought? See, I, I like those people more. I like the Logan Heights crowd. I mean, those people, they grew up here. They're tight jeans with a purpose. They're indie rock with a purpose. It's not just, man, I am really getting out of San Diego State and feeling like I need to come up with a new concept for myself. I'll go skinny jeans. That's uh, what's going to happen, right? Definitely. So here we are, 2016. We've done two Oyster Fest now. This could be the second Oyster Fest victory lap. Of course, we've done seven. I haven't done seven. You've done seven. But I've done two or three of them. But now it's, we've gone big time. Two days, nonsense. Uh, you know, one day went reggae this year, which I, I'm just not mad at at all because <laughs> I, I, I like money. I don't know if, how about you. I enjoy it. Uh, and mm-hmm. uh, the, uh, we stuck with the the trip hop roots, the loungy roots of Thievery Corporation on the second day. And that was just, that's a, a victory lap I'd like to do every single year. I'm a fan. I, I am definitely a fan. You know, I got my dad a job at Oysterfest. I got to spend so much quality time with your dad. Yeah. And he, he, I mean, he was giving away secrets. <laughs> and <He> was, cigarettes. <laughs> he, was, he was giving away secrets. He was talking about the trouble times. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And, and I'm not going to bring any of them up right now. I mean, but <laughs> holy smokes, you, you have nothing left. I mean, that's, that's the, I guess, the upside of uh, hiring your dad to, to um, drive the 15-passenger van around town. He's like, there's downtime. He's going to be over there by the oysters at the VIP bar looking for someone to talk to. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and talking about me. Right. There goes your biography. And how the better part of me ran down his leg. Uh, <laughs> or my, my, my twins, as he says. Yes, my father. You know you made it or you're doing well when you could actually hire your father uh, to do some work for you. And uh, yes, so he was the driver of all the bands and he got to hang out with Thievery Corporation and... Uh, Boombox and Revolution. Oh, my. Yeah, that was cool. And then um, he was working alongside a Carlos from B-Side Players, who was the other van driver, <laughs> you know, because it, it takes two vans to go get Revolution. Right. Apparently, because they had so much stuff. But, yeah, that's a great crowd. So there's your dad. There's Carlos with, like, seven feet of hair. Just, you know, <laughs> and, like... At least two hundred dollar green shaded glasses, uh, picking bands up. That's that's like some of my favorite stuff ever. But yeah, that's this is this. Uh, we're in adjacent to Pacific Beach, California. Uh, this is where we live. And why not try a different version of FYA where I don't have to drive as far, and uh, we could get some of your agenda in here to say fuck off. Yeah. I, uh, I definitely have an agenda. I always, I always have some sort of agenda at all times of the day. Okay, so here's what I'm going to start with. Um, there's a guy, I'm going to look his name up as we're talking. Uh, he's a sort of hard to pronounce name, African-American gentleman. Uh, intern for the Chargers, got hit by a car uh, on Garnett. He was with two friends. They got rolled over. He had uh, suffered brain injuries. Uh, there was a giant push during the preseason. The Chargers were on this thing completely. They were putting a... Uh, all kinds of GoFundMe-style efforts, and the family was very involved. The family, the, the kid is from Northern California. His family uh, was flown down by the Spanishes, uh to be at his side. He went through coma. He went through two weeks of being completely out of it. Um, it was a this, this story ends well. He's uh, back in Northern California, where it's easier for his family to be at his side. Uh, he's in physical rehabilitation now. Um, he has begun to regain his mental faculties, and he's on the road to recovering. And luckily, the, the gentleman's quite young. 
uh, 21, 22 years old, maybe 23. And uh, so he's back on his way. But my biggest thing where you're concerned, because I know you're very involved in, um, in how Pacific Beach runs the community, the rules, how it interfaces with the police, how you interface with uh, all the bars and all the pedestrian ship is, are we really even talking about um, uh, how dangerous it is to be a pedestrian or a sober straight line driver uh, on Garnett at 1 a.m. in the morning on a Friday or Saturday? It is, it is dangerous. Uh, it is extremely dangerous. I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm active in the community, as you've mentioned. I am the uh, chair of the Traffic Streets and Parking Subcommittee of the Pacific Beach Planning Group, which is an advisory board of the city on land issues. And uh, at every meeting, I always say, I always point out that as a driver or a pedestrian, you must use nonverbal communications when approaching intersections, crosswalks, or anything like that. Always keep your head on a swivel as a pedestrian and as a driver because there's people everywhere. It's densely populated in that area, and you really, really have to uh, you know, look both ways before you cross. And I'm not, I'm not putting anything on the kid. Um, or the driver, because I'm not that familiar with the situation. No one knows who the driver is. Right, hit and run. But uh, you got to be really careful out there. Very careful. Uh, the gentleman's name is Jerron Irby. I gave money. I put money in the GoFundMe. I was very moved by the story. Um, I walk with my wife every week, at least two different times. But one of the times I'm walking along La Jolla Boulevard from where our kids go to school towards where um, uh, tourmaline starts up. And um, there's two crosswalks there. Those crosswalks, they seem like they're about 700 yards to cross the street. Like you want to pack a lunch. It comes in two parts, and there's a rest stop in the middle on both of them. And By West End. Oh, yeah, by that, that one by West End. And, of course, they put the crosswalk right at the vortex of a, a blind angle with really tall shrubs on either side of it. So if you are a speeding, texting, 22-year-old, overconfident driver coming from north to south on La Jolla Boulevard, you have almost no chance to know you're pulling up to a crosswalk that has just typically a baby carriage or a dog on a 20-foot leash going across. Or a drunk wind-and-sea uh, surfer who's uh, stumbling across the road from uh, the West End. So my wife says it should be just like the trolleys, that a giant turn still comes down. Like, we should just give up. Like, we should just make forced zones for crossing. And you press it with a button, and the turnstile comes down, and there's just no chance. Nothing. I mean, I guess that same 22-year-old could just ram into the thing, and it's still going to be a awful mess yeah well that that uh that intersection both parts of that will be uh lit have cross uh lit crosswalks pedestrian activated those are the uh, rffbs don't ask me what that stands for because i don't know but uh those are going to be going in um by the new year i do know that and where do they exist now those lights yeah oh geez um because i know where there's one there's one at diamond there, they are. There's the one. At, um, well, long, going along Mission Boulevard. There's the one at Diamond. There's the one at Thomas, um, which is there where uh, the local is. Right. Um, let's see here. There's one at Hornblend, um, where you have uh, what is that? Um, oh, geez, Hornblend and Mission uh, Miller's Boulevard. Field. Miller's Field. Right. Uh, which has the, in front of Miller's Field. There's been many people hit there, bicyclists uh, and pedestrians equally. And that, that's that's kind of what I'm getting at right now. Um, I go through those too. You know, that that's my Ralph's. That's where I go grocery shopping. So mm-hmm. if you happen to be going grocery shopping for barbecue on Saturday at 6.30 you're at, during college football season, you're at prime uh, crosswalk time. Oh, yeah. Right. And it only kind of solves it. It only kind of solves it. I mean, that you're sharing with buses, beer trucks. Fire engines, inevitably, there's a fire station right there, and they're coming in and out and parking the entire thing. It's a zoo. Yeah. And I teach my kids, I I taught them one thing, that just because you see the car stopping at the crosswalk doesn't mean you're out of the woods because um, what you see every time at those crosswalks is what's called the right-hand end-around where the 22-year-old who was texting gets mad because the guy's stopping in front of him. He doesn't really know why. So he goes around on the right-hand side and hits the gas. Right. Right? Hits the gas and then realizes way too late, oh, baby carriage. Right. 
and and I mean, goes back to what my wife was saying about the turnstiles, but at the same time, just lighting, all all the stuff that you're talking about, lighting, uh, electro uh, buttons that make all the lights go off and flashes and the entire thing. At the end of the day, we've gone as far as we possibly can with passive. It's still passive. Right. Right. It's still, I mean, a stoplight is passive. The only reason you don't run stoplights is because you die in a T-bone accident. Right. Right. So you, there's a negative reflection. You don't ever die if you just hit the baby carriage. You're, you got metal around you. That's why I say keep your head on a swivel, nonverbal communication. Um, you know, how, how far do you got to go until uh, Darwinism kicks in and it's natural selection? Yeah, I've been definitely considering this to be the rake's progress. I told you a story the other day that one of the hottest girls I've seen in Pacific Beach in the seven or eight years that I've been back living there, I only saw her at all because I almost killed her. Right. And That's hot. And it was just like she was running uh, across Mission from between cars, avoiding all uh, crosswalks. Uh, chasing her friends, other girls, and just bolted from between two cars on mission when I was doing about 30, 35, within like 25 feet of me. And it was, and you know, the whole accident, we've seen this thing happen a million times. They turn, they realize the mistake of their ways, they realize it's too late, and they're really, it's incumbent on me to not kill them, and their eyes are as big as half dollars as they realize, oh my God, this is it, right? Are they... Are the eyes as big as half dollars because of that instant like life flashing for their eyes, or is it the ecstasy that they're on? I'm forced to guess. And this is another story that ends well, just like the other story. I, I did not kill that person either. We waved, like, you know, but that was it. But <laughs> how about you? Uh, I, I always hope that in, in those near-death moments that they set a new kind of rule for themselves. How, how about I don't kill myself like that? How about I, I try really hard to at least look both ways before it, it all goes wrong and my mom gets a note, you know? <laughs> gets a phone call from the coroner. Do you think that um, Do you think that all of these deaths, injuries, and accidents in regards to this bizarrely rampant situation in our zip code are publicized adequately? Oh, yeah. I, I definitely, definitely do. Uh, because there's a lot of prohibitionists that are in the PB area, um, mainly an older older crowd that uh, that own property in Pacific Beach that, uh, that are really pushing to, uh, to get rid of more bars and to get these college kids out of here. So anytime there's some sort of tragedy, unfortunately, uh, yes, it's pushed as far as it can possibly go. And even, even, even it goes outside of the, 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 um, our community, which I think adds to, um, like you mentioned how PB gets a bad rap mm-hmm. and, uh, don't get me wrong. Garnett's gross. I mean, I don't really go to Garnett very often and I try to avoid mission beach cause I'm a little bit older now. When I was younger, I loved it. It was absolutely wonderful to me. You know, when you're 20 years old, it's, it's a good time. But, uh, but yeah, I do think that it gets publicized to the point of, um, I mean, do you watch the local news? It, 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 Especially in instances where you're not going to be on. I mean, if you're a gadfly in 92109, you're going to be on TV here and there. You're probably going to record them and show them to your kids. Hey, Savannah, there I am. (laughs) I I, I totally do that. Yeah. yeah. But my feeling is the people who are doing it, the 23-year-old who's jumping out, missing the crosswalk, and diving across from Miller's Field, unless pedestrian deaths are covered on tender likely they're not affected by the publicity that's going out. Like, yeah, uh, we're losing about 10 people a season. Right. We're, you know, they we're, there's about 10 people that are uh, killed around here pretty much every summer. Those that should be aware, which are the, the younger generation, the younger people that are living in that area, the college kids, don't hear this information. It's the older people that do watch the local news. I don't watch the local news every day, but I follow all of them on Twitter. That's, I mean, that's how I get my information. You know what they are watching, though. I mean, Porn, everyone Pornhub. Yeah, they're on Pornhub. <laughs> so you you could be on Tinder, you could be on Pornhub, or if you were covering this on Waze somehow, they they'd all know about it, right? Because they're busy trying to figure out if there's a checkpoint in front of Mission Bay High School. So <laughs> yeah. they're on Waze before they're even in their car. They're or, or in front checking. of Wiener Schnitzel. <laughs> 
seen that one. Yeah, or the uh, Ingram one. Or we see, I think we've seen pretty much all four of them. My newest thing this summer is they started doing them on Thursdays. Really? I know. Look, see, you got uncomfortable there for a yeah, second. Yeah, I'm like, whoa, okay, hold on. So what day is today? Sunday? No, don't drink and drive. How about that? Oh, take an Uber. I mean, geez. Well, that was, all right, that's how I'm going to finish this entire thing. I don't think that making more lights, I, I, my big idea has been to use what we know from producing concerts and music venues to um, switch the paradigm for pedestrians, especially pedestrians at twilight who don't have lit intersections near them and are just coming in and out of cars and they don't realize they're practically invisible. Right. To We have all through here, we have the same retrofitted gas lamp style lights up all up and down 19109 that they have down at the gas lamp. And they're, they're awful. They don't light a single thing up. They barely illuminate th- themselves. And um, what we have now at venues that I work at are LED direct spot stuff that um, will show that a person's walking across a crosswalk from about 600 yards. Light their face up, give them a close-up, give them a film opportunity, you know, all kinds of positive parts of this. But you also will make no mistake that they're running around. And I, I, that, that's kind of where my head's at. Like, if you're going to build the crosswalk, you should be able to, A, illuminate it. And then, B, there's all these signs as you come up to it that are saying, hey, up in, uh, up in about 200, 400 yards, there's going to be a crosswalk. But you have to have paid attention at the DMV seven years ago and then reread your book every six months to even notice these yellow out-of-the-way signs coming up. They're, they're, they don't get your attention at all. Whereas, again, if you're on Waze and there's a, a cunt hair on the street of 500 feet, Waze they, starts shouting at you. They don't have there, those in PB. There will be a cunt hair. That they don't have those in PB. <laughs> it's all bald, man. <laughs> it's all bald. <laughs> Waze just starts shouting at you. In 500 yards, a cunt hair will be coming up. <laughs> you know? You know, so there's all kinds of technology that we're not using. There could be setting it up so that you know, hey, there's a crosswalk with people in it coming up. Put your fucking phone down. Look up. Eyes up. Don't right. hit them. Right. One, of them there's a, one of them has a baby carriage in it. Be advised. Don't do the end around. How about stop don't looking at ways and drive <laughs> and pay attention? You know, that it's ironically legal. You can't text, but if you're on ways... It's okay. It's, it's legal because right. that's GPS, and that's, right. there's an out for that. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've almost crashed because of ways, but that's a whole separate. Yeah, I, I, I can't. I, I, I always think about when they first came out, when cell phones first came out, and you were just had it glued to your ear the whole time, and you were trying to text, and texting technology was really awful. Like and, the cell phones with the backpack that you used in the seventies, <laughs> or, or the, the back, flip phone with yeah, the. I was just thirty four at the time. <laughs> <laughs> I had three of them in colors. They were great. No, but it, when I was first starting to text, I came so close to wrecking. I, my old car weighed like 6,000 pounds. And so it was when that thing screeched, it was just the worst thing ever. And I just don't understand how we didn't wreck every single car we had when texting first came out because we, we were just not ready for that technology at all. Oh, right, right. It just made it super messy, super fast. I wasn't even texting then. I was still calling. Right. Yeah, or using a pager. Or sending notes. <laughs> Send, I was sending pigeons. So you do a lot of work in the gas lamp? I try not to. I really try not to. I, I used to do a lot more, but I, you know, last night I played at uh, the Hard Rock, but uh, I tried to not go downtown so much um, just because I live by the beach and I pay the expensive rent um, mm. to go to the beach. So I go to the beach. Right. But when I am down there, though, I definitely uh, dabble in the local... Uh, the the bar scene, the club scene, the uh, the live music scene. If there's anything down there live, right? Actually, there is something live down there. Uh, Tim Piles at the Hard Rock Hotel. Oh yeah, yeah. Mary Jane's. Yeah, yeah. Every um, once a the third Thursday, I think of every month. I've been to a few of them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of my friends does stuff with Flux, and um, he told me, you know, that even Flux now is started to. Um, see its crowds shift gears and um you know it the shelf life on clubs like that even clubs that have been there's groundbreaking like that one was um they is so short 
and that there's somebody always sort of on your heels to replace you. And that, like he just basically said, yeah, uh, this was the year that Flux became F6. And just we're just absolutely going there every single night because that's we got to make money, right? So it's 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 interesting to me. Like, how long is it going to be before Omnia? It just is there, and that that that's like the old hat. And then what are they going to build that's going to have replaced all of those clubs? Like, is there going to be a club that is suspended just over the tops of the buildings in space? <laughs> like, you know. Hovering over the city. Is that what's coming next? Well, I heard the next club is um, is going to be on the ballot in November, and uh, they're going to raise the TOTs to pay for this next club, and this is going to be the Super Club. It's called the Charger Stadium. Huh. <laughs> uh, there's always, uh, yeah, shelf life. Uh, I mean, what, Omni or uh, Flux has done about six years now? Is that six years, Fred? Yeah, something like that. Uh, seven years, maybe. Yeah, it's been a while. Um, Omnia has been around for, what, two years now? Roughly two years? Almost two years? Eh, Fred says he doesn't know. It's three-year shelf life. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, right there. I mean, it's just it's just the next thing. Whatever's next. Whatever's next in line. And uh, if they pull the right people out of the scene, as far as GMs, barbacks, uh, bartenders, DJs, if they pull the right people, they have a longer shelf life. They spend the money for the entertainment. But, I mean, you know, you got Flux, Omnia, and Park all battling it out right now to get, you know, Chris Brown there on a, on a Sunday night. That's interesting to me, too. Are they doing that because people are paying them covers? Uh, I think they're doing that just to just to piss each other off. I, th- I just think that... Um they're, from what I understand, you know, because they'll come to me and they'll ask me, hey, I, I can do a show with you guys, but it has to be 18 plus because anyone over the age of 21 at this point has figured out a way to get a comp to almost any one of these shows. Right. So you can pay Chris Brown some ungodly number, I'm guessing forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000 to come and play uh, Park or um, Omnia, or, but you're just not going to get sufficient cover. So you're literally hoping you're going to sell... Uh, magnums of champagne to cover the cost to have it in there. Exactly. That's exactly it. And uh, the other, I, I saw a couple of sets of financials recently uh, without naming what clubs they came from, but clubs grossing 105000 and netting 1500 <sighs> Right? And uh, how tight is that? And how ridiculous is that? And, Yowzers. And, you know, that just stems from the fact that if you're out there trying to do sort of small club mechanics like we'll have to have entertainment but we know we're too small to charge a cover but then you put it to the world's biggest club uh, or the city's biggest club how does that economics prevail at all how are you ever ever going to have a sustainable uh, business if right you know that's where shelf life comes from how how does that compare to to the live scene where you have the observatory casbah belly up uh near spot music box duking it out for for bills um does that compare is there any comparison well i will say this without um getting into the microeconomics of the of any of those clubs that you mentioned you know it's safer for me to for instance talk about los angeles because i worked there for a long time um those clubs that were in los angeles are still in los angeles so the El Ray is now 20 years old, right? The Wiltern is now 15 years old. Uh, the Fonda is now 15 years old. Uh, the Fonda, the, these, these guys, they got to go in and they got to freshen their club. And the hard part about freshening their club is it's not really vital to their survival. They can be a grimy rock club, but because they've got perpetual content that has a, got a hard ticket value, you know, you have to option to go fix your club up and make it nicer again but your your business model is already there and it's going to be there for a much longer uh period of time than if you were just getting people to come in the door because you're extremely freshly designed and built right you know which is omnia's whole deal right so that is a separation between club land and live music land right and there's also a perception in the live music space that um people don't buy records anymore so uh if you don't go and pay 20 or 25 dollars to go see a show at the observatory that yellow wolf is not going to be around to make you the next record you have to go support the artist at that level or else you are just not going to have that artist around anymore and they're not you know they're doing a great job of not asking for too much money you know seeing somebody from uh georgia or alabama or wherever he's from um 
coming through and uh, playing for 20 bucks at a thousand person hall, that's pretty legitimate economics, about real comparable with what it would cost to see a movie. Right. Right. And sustaining it and making enough money that he puts his records not on Amazon, but on SoundCloud. Interesting. Right. So I mean, that, that's just the difference. I, but I, I bring up the, the Flux stuff and the Omnia stuff because I'm so, um, I'm, I'm kind of being opportunistic because I think that, you know, those things are just going to be available properties at some point. And like, we should be able to try, try to like do what we've done with all these other places with one of them at some point. Hmm. Interesting. My, uh, my advice is steer clear. <laughs> I'm going to buy a parking lot. That's how I'm going to be a millionaire. You know, that's um, <laughs> super salient advice. And that's exactly what uh, I, the Casbah guy does tell people when they're going to get into this business to run like the wind. Yeah. He's super famous for telling a bunch of the different places who actually wound up doing it anyway. I don't know, you guys. Um, I think, yeah, you might want to be more careful than this. Yeah. And then they got the wind knocked out of them when they looked at their uh, P&Ls. Uh, no comment, but yeah, he does give him that advice. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get sound advice. Yeah. So yeah, that's definitely, I, I, there's a really funny thing in the pit of the economic recession, 2009, 2010, we had this giant debate about what to do with all of these um, Walmarts that were closing because they were so huge. And uh, the alternative uses for these spaces that were coming out, you know, these, they're like 80, 120,000 square feet, right? Just single space. They're like, well, you could build a junior high school. You could build, in, you could, if it's in Minnesota, you could be, build a year-round park, you know? Storage units. <laughs> Boy, we, we should definitely talk about that because I have no idea how that is such a prevalent model. Because uh, Americans are pack rats and we, we are consumerism. It just it goes crazy. Do you have one? Do I have a storage unit? Yeah. Yeah, for my business. Like that makes it okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, hey, that's that's my uh, my equipment rental company. <laughs> yeah, I got I got to put it somewhere. But so I've, month over month, you rent enough equipment out of your storage space to pay for the rent. Oh, to absolutely. Uh, yeah, and pay for my burritos daily. Nice. Yeah, it's lunch money. Not to not to get into your business. That's not my point. I just that's my agenda, though. That why else are we here? <laughs> <laughs> Fuck your agenda. Man, I, all I can say is if you're in, if you're, if you have one of those orange doored private storage places, please just stop. Yeah, it's it's such bad stuff. And just they, just just shed, just downgrade your your downgrade to the necessities, the stuff you absolutely need. If you have that many high school yearbooks that you need to go and get a ten by ten, you weren't that popular in high school. Where I live, I the the coolest thing that happened with where I live is that they give you two of those as part of it. Wow, and so I'm I'm being completely disingenuous. I, I've got I actually only have one now, and I'm kicking myself for getting rid of the other one. Um, that's a parking spot, right? Is that what that's uh, called? They were supposed to be parking spots, but no one uses them for that. Really? They they put all their possessions in there, and then their apartment has a little bit more of a uh, livability because you don't have all those yearbooks. This reminds me of, of a George Carline skit. I'm sure there's one out there somewhere where the people drown in their yearbooks. And their storage. Is he related to George Carlin? <laughs> Could be, possibly. <laughs> but uh, but yes, th- th- just, just just simplify your life. And I have had to because, you know, I'm popping out kids like crazy. I'm hella fertile. <laughs> Ladies, watch out. I, I am fertile. <laughs> so, because um, there's TV shows about it. There's TV shows about it. if you've got one of these orange door things. My mission in life is to, to steal all your stuff somehow. I, I'm either going to steal it by faking a burglary and breaking in and just taking what I want. So I'm going to watch you on my cameras, see if you put good stuff in there. If you put good stuff in there, I'm going to call somebody to come and just take it, if that's what's going to happen. Or um, Storage wars, and you're going to buy it at an auction. Or, or yeah, it's, I'm going to do the auction thing, and I'm, I'm also a partner in the auction company. <laughs> like, it's, a, it's such a stacked deck. Such a stack deck. Like, and there's, those are all people who just want your stuff. Right. And um, the only way to not just give them your stuff, not that it's that valuable in the first place, just, just on the off chance that there's a mountain bike in there that might be worth $3,000, they're going like, to have this long triplicate contract with all these trap doors all built into the thing. And if you miss one payment, and everyone misses one payment somewhere, more for forgetfulness than real financial difficulty, then... Like, 
the entire contract triples or something. So right. instead of twenty four ninety five, it becomes seventy five ninety five, or you have to move your stuff, something you just can't do. Or they confiscate it, which actually happened to my babysitter. They confiscated <laughs> her storage unit, um, auctioned it off, and she learned that it had been auctioned because somebody had bought it. And then another guy who's a real bottom feeder, this guy goes around buying yearbooks, and I'm totally serious about this. This really happened. She gets a call from this guy, and he's like, hello, are you, you know, so-and-so? And she says, yes. And he says, well, guess what? I have all of your yearbooks. And she's like, great. And he's like, so I'll sell them back to you for $20 a piece. And she's like, I don't care. You can burn those things. And he's like, wah, wah, wah. But this guy goes around to the people at the auctions. Selling them their shit back. Insane, right? bottom feeders. <laughs> this is a true story. And that's why I brought up the yearbooks and the storage thing. And it's amazing how this whole conversation went full circle right there. Yeah. This uh, friend of mine uh, was all up in arms because he was getting pitched. He's one of these guys who's sort of gullible. And so, um, and he's got a little bit of money. So people pitch him just the weirdest things. And they're, they're just trying to make new stuff up to see if they can't get like two grand out of him. Right. So, a girl calls him and she says, hey, so my storage pl- thing is in Hawk. They're going to put it on auction. I've got three days to get it out of auction, so I need $2,000. But inside this thing are a bunch of really valuable fur jackets. And I mean, how do you hear that story and not know I should just give her the 2000 bucks? And just uh, tell her never to call me again because it's just never going to be. <laughs> what are you going to do? Are you going to be at you know out of the closet trying to pawn fur jackets as they're all shouting at you? You should have been gerbil. Should have been nothing. Should have been like the pee to people start following you around. Yeah, right. I would be like, I'm never talking to you again. Have a good one. Enjoy yourself. Good luck with that. Right, just, but you know she wants it for for cocaine anyway. It's not really. Just buy her the cocaine. I would just buy her the cocaine. Just buy her the cocaine. Yeah, cut out the middleman. Okay. I got some questions about where we're at. I don't, I, I'm going to just tell you, I've known about this studio, I've known about Split Finger, and I've known all about Mikey Beats and the whole world for a while, years now, years. You know, I knew about you before I even moved back to San Diego. Yeah, right. And I actually had a pretty good um, acknowledgement of your studio when you showed up with Chris Martin at Griffin and started talking about it. And I got a studio and I'm like, wow, that's kind of a boss move. And so here we are, we're sitting in this thing. It's the first time I've ever been here. You don't even generally acknowledge this thing exists yet. There's got to be 800 bands dying to find this place. Or I understand that's not really what you do that, you know, or 800 aspiring DJs that need to find this place immediately. So it's like your hidden gym. It's our baby. Um, right. Can, is there a publicist that I can fire? Uh, no, it's because it's private. See, this is, this is, you're, you're sitting in the Sleeping Giant Music Studio, and uh, your, your podcast just definitely got a lot better quality. That's why I drink cheap beer. Bush. <laughs> Bush. Uh, this is Sleeping Giant Music Studio. This is a private studio that uh, we use uh, just for the people on our roster, as well as uh, the owners of the company, um, Freddie Fresh, a.k.a. Fresh One, a.k.a. Freddie, the president of Sleeping Giant Music. Uh, he's in here constantly. In fact, right now he's in the brain over there uh, recording us, giving me dirty looks as I'm talking about him. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, the Sleeping Giant Music Studio is just our private studio. Um, we have all of our guys on our roster come through here. And their goal is to have a mixtape? Anything and everything. I've come in here and I've done um, voiceover projects. Right. Really anything that it, it's, it's just another tool um, in our tool belt of resources that we have that we provide for our artists. And uh, we have a very professional studio here. But that's not how it started, right? You started this thing to record uh, your band, Split Finger. Part of it, yes. So we built this large uh, live room that you're sitting in right now uh, for my, my personal project with Jimmy Lane of Split Finger. And this was our, our practice and recording room. And uh, the other room, um, the control room, was mainly for, um, for Freddie, my partner, and, uh, and doing all of his uh, producing and making all of his beats, which he makes some uh, great beats right now, by the way. <laughs> some exciting stuff. Uh, maybe someday uh, you will have them on your iPod out there. We uh, put links to everything. So the 
supporting links that'll show everything that we're talking about will include some SoundCloud files, will include some recent output. I know you said it's private. We'll, we'll steal some stuff when they're not looking. We'll put that out too. We'll, we'll find a link somewhere. I'm sure Fred uh, has, has a link that he will uh, show that, uh, that he's very proud of the quality. Of the How products. long have you had this place? Ooh, how long have we had this place? Yeah, it's so years? long. So long. You got to ask. Four years. F- four years. And I'm listening to you guys talk. You're not really done with it. Uh, no, I, I think it's an ever. Yeah, it it, it could be expanded, but it's functioning, and uh, and there's always you know you always have to do equipment upgrades, and in fact, yeah, we definitely uh, definitely built it to expand. <laughs> Don't ever do that again. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. So, but you're not, I get the point though. You you are at least 20 mics short of being a real live room. So you're really just trying to do simple tracking, simple beat making, simple production stuff that augment the roster that's on Sleeping Giant Music. Right. In layman's terms, um, I'm a taco short of a combination plate. <laughs> Uh, so <laughs> when I was standing outside, you were saying something, shut the door fast, shut the door fast. The river people are approaching. What does that mean? Oh, the river people. They are the homeless people that uh, reside along the train tracks in the San Diego River. At the Griffin, we had uh, basically uh, a homeless person condominium complex because there was uh, all those giant bridges that go uh, with I-5 going over where the outlet goes into Mission Bay. Right. So if you're an aspiring homeless person, you can get some condo space in there and probably get a three-year run going. Yeah, so there's, you, there's definitely condos right down the, the street here that uh, that people hang out in for sure. <laughs> definitely. And I don't mean to make jest of such a serious subject, but there does not appear to be willingness on any side to provide any sort of a long answer. Would On the other side of that equation, should we have basic income in the United States? Should every single human being have at their wherewithal, say, $2,000 a month free and clear to go and be sure they had a house and groceries? Oh, that that would have been nice. But, um, you know, uh, we got burnt feeling the burn. (laughs) (laughs) They did that in Switzerland. It it lost. It it, it didn't go through. But they were considering giving every citizen in the country $2,600 unless they were making it somewhere else. So you basically were never going to have less than that, and you'd always be able to live a steady lifestyle without having to go underground, uh, no matter what. And they right, right. I, I think if if you know if there's government subsidies out there and they're handing out free cash as they already do with the welfare system, a lot of that would go to cheap beer like Bush. <laughs> My best the we forget about some of the good stuff. There, there's just great stuff, and it's right there, right in front of us. And it gets its Japan anime level two seconds of fame, and then it goes away. Fox News for a while was really on a guy who lived at Wind and Sea, who was on uh, uh, all kinds of federal aid, and yes. he was taking food stamps, and federal aid, and unemployment, and surfing wind and sea and taking the money and going to the our ralph's on mission and buying 26 dollar a pound ah he's saying this is all i'm gonna eat and just going nuts with how he was living the life and fox news was saying and this surfer brat is just milking the system oh yes yeah i remember that uh you know if you're ever gonna be homeless anywhere in america san diego's a place to be <laughs> no doubt about it i um it does get extremely brutal downtown oh they're pushing them out too they're pushing them out east i mean if, the, if that stadium goes in you're going to see the whole gentrification um beyond the east village into logan heights like we mentioned before past the five out east and it's just going to keep pushing the people away if you ever go outside of saint paul um what is it uh yeah saint paul right uh down there the homeless shelter i mean it's you know it's skid row down there all that stuff's gonna be pushed out and pushed farther east where are they gonna go what are we gonna do for them I don't know. There, there's always a lot of space. We're, you and I are talking about something really interesting in that uh, there's a whole bunch of homeless people who actually want to have some semblance of just camp life, like just gypsy life. There's gypsy encampments all throughout England uh, where they basically are, their aspiration is to get a pop-up trailer you know, so that they can have like a semi-fixed structure to live in. And that's all they're going to have forever. 
Nothing wrong with that. Right? And they're completely content. Right. The the people that are living in the canyons around here are actually approaching a a modest contentment with where they're at. And um, they're into it. They're in a great location, and uh, they have genuine access to a decent amount of services, and they have 911 service. And if they get really sick, the uh, ambulance pulls right up, takes them away, and shows them a doctor, and they wait a lot less than us, you know, and have at it. So there's... It, it is everywhere. We have, we're forced to have infrastructure sort of built out to accommodate the fact that, it, you know, I, I hear figures, 55,000 people live in downtown Los Angeles in the um, adjacent blocks of Skid Row. Um, if you're down uh, in, not Gaslamp, but in the downtown around Civic Center um, in San Diego, there's one block. It's uh, Ash A. Uh, third and I'm going to mess it up third and second I'm guessing and um, that block on a good night there'll be a person on every square of cement sleeping oh, yeah. around the entire block Right, right. and um, I used to run 4th and B and 4th and B um, we kept a pretty decent uh, population control around when we were going to be open but then the place closed and Fourth and B, and along that subway stretch that's right there, where the California Theater is, is Ground Zero. That is that is a version of our Skid Row. Right. right. And if you think that we're going to get away from it by being in Pacific Beach, that spot right across from the library that serves the free meal at six, you know, you can see that number swell up, approaching five hundred. Oh yeah, on, on some Thursdays. Absolutely. There's a you know I'm on uh, I'm an active user on Nextdoor.com, mm-hmm. and uh, I believe everyone in the city should should use Nextdoor.com. It's a, it's a uh, website. If you're not familiar with it, it's basically a website um, that you you have a profile and uh, you know you type in your address and you have access to to message your neighbors who are also on there. And you'd be surprised. There's a lot of people on there. And anyway, so um, I'm, I'm always on there, and there's always posts like lost puppy or you know bike for sale or you know spaghetti dinner over at the elementary school or something like that you know so i'm always learning about stuff that's going on in my neighborhood well a hot topic lately has been the influx of homeless people to pacific beach which they're not only homeless they're also junkies there's a lot of junkies and there's a lot of theft that comes with that so you know i i i feel for the homeless families and i feel for uh some people that are just really been put out, whether it be they lost their job and, you know, the current state of economics has really pushed them all the way down to the street level, which is very unfortunate. There's also a lot of young men out there that are capable of carrying a job, but they're junkies. So they're out there, they're stealing bikes. They're, uh, you know, going into homes and, you know, breaking and entering when they know, you know, vacation rentals have been getting sacked and, and all this stuff. And it's, it's definitely an epidemic and, and PB really, really feels it. Uh, and I believe that uh, the reason being is that we have so many public showers and so many public restrooms, you know, the all along the beach, all along the bay. Um, in fact, they recently remodeled a, uh, a bathroom on Law Street, which is, a you know, a lot of families go down to Law Street mm-hmm. and, and, you know, do their thing. They remodeled the bathrooms and the residents have been complaining that the bathrooms stay unlocked at night. And there's, you know, people going in there shooting up. In fact, there was an overdose probably about six months ago. You know, they pulled a dead body out of these bathrooms. I used to live um, in that house that overlooked that. It's called Palisades Park. Right. Um, and um, Exactly. Yeah. One of the downsides, the view's really good, except when the view involves a corpse. Mm-hmm. So we'll... Um, We'll lose a person about actually once a year. And then I, I moved out of the house, but the people who, you know, so graciously give me a spot there for over five years are still there. So we'll see them being interviewed on the news all the time. It was that the guy drove his yellow Corvette down that ramp at Law Street and into the ocean. <laughs> that, really? Yeah, that was on the news. And so they're interviewing my friend and, and you know, and hey, there's Uncle John. So I took my kids down to wow. uh, the side of the thing where the, the yellow car was still getting towed out. And we talked to, talked was, to this. They see, was that a midlife crisis? What was he doing? Um, no, it was drunken stupidness. They, it was not their yellow Corvette. They had rented it. And so there was three of them. I hope you bought and, the insurance. Um, they, went, <laughs> they went to a bar. They met a person. The person, through conversation, had gleaned from the conversation. Oh, let me get this straight. You guys have a rental Corvette out in front of this bar, then you're sitting here drinking with me? 
okay, I have a new agenda. So he talked them into the keys. Time out. Fuck your agenda. Yeah. <laughs> so he talks him. He talks him out of the keys. The three of them get into the two seater and they go down on the beach in front of Law Street and start doing donuts until he just drives it right into the thing and says, "Hey, time to get out." And he's just laughing at him. It's his practical joke to drive their rental car into the Pacific Ocean and then just run away. Wow. So they all run away because then they're they're the bag man. They're holding the bag for this rental car that they now are in extreme trouble for because it's in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. (laughs) And um, it's not like they're going to be able to keep a secret because those bright lights, that's, you know, Channel 9. Right. (laughs) Because they've been found out. Hey, you drove a Corvette into the ocean. And they're starting to film and ask them questions. You know, it appears that you're having a midlife crisis. You want to comment, Mike? Mike to you? <laughs> hey. Wow, I wish I would have been there for that. Not on the sand, though. That guy could be dangerous. But like, they, a, a lot of um, people uh, check out in that park um, just because it seems like it's a bucket list style park. It's so beautiful. You have this 180-degree expanse of the ocean at your feet. It's on a cliff. It's where they do the yoga, where the guy has the pig, that whole thing. I'm oh, sure yeah, yeah. Millions of people are familiar with it. But Face down, ass up yoga, my favorite. <laughs> Get a whiff of the ocean <laughs> or not. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, people die there. Yes, it happens. So, yeah, uh, the river people. Yes, the river people come by the studio. Um, and we just, you know, you, you got to protect the crop. You know what I'm saying? So so we're, we're very vigilant about who, you know, who knows where the studio is. It's, again, it's private. It's private. Uh, you know, so. But we take pride in it. We definitely take pride. It still has that new studio smell that we definitely appreciate. <laughs> And I'm, I'm, def- I'm definitely a fan of this place. Um, so that's it. Um, hey, uh, for the FYA podcast, we're um, looking for a good co-host, Mikey Beats. And uh, what, what the idea is, is um, if we can carry an hour talking about the river people, we can talk about just about anything. And all we have to do is go find a guest or two and maybe once a month or so go straight down. This is, I want to talk about this stuff over and over again. I want to solve people getting hit by cars in Pacific Beach. I really, really do. I hate it. I think it's one of those things that people are suppressing. Uh, the, the city hires a publicist to not tell people how dangerous it is to cross the road or to go to Garnet in general at 145. And uh, I'd love to solve those things. One of the best ways to solve them is to get a whole decently deep slew of guests to come through and uh, orchestrate things and hear what they have and you know every time they say this is my agenda you say fuck that <laughs> every time it's just like uh what the magic word of the day who would you want to have oh I, i'm calling i should I start calling people out who, who can come in here um wow well, I, I want mike halloran to come in here i you know after you know i started working on oyster fest and I got to talk to Mike Halloran because, well, frankly, we're writing large checks to 91X. So I earned my time with Mike Halloran. And I'm fascinated by that guy and his stories. And he's just a darn good guy. And since I've met him through Oyster Fest, I see him out at the, you know, I saw him at Guns N' Roses. I saw him this past weekend at Chromio at the Del Mar Fairgrounds. And I just enjoy my time with that guy. So I would really like to get Mike Halloran in here. Yeah, and he's got a giant heart um it's crazy uh when the griffin was trying to stay the griffin and not try to become a dog and pony show um we uh you know we're trying to figure out hey is there a path to go do this thing to to go solo and get away from the the bar west ownership that wanted to get out of the process entirely and figure something out and we talked to a bunch of people like the bronc group and all those guys and everything but um halloran was came the closest to actually solving the whole thing. He like took it super seriously. He's like, I love this place. And part of it was he was every Tuesday. We were doing Radio Halloran with the guy, right. and he, you know, he's the guy who shows up, right, right, and that's that's the gold right there. But then he's like, got a couple ideas. The next thing you know, I'm you know talking to some people that I rarely talk to in regular life, and he's like, hey, I just wanted you guys to talk. I think this is a good thing. And like he had a plan put together that should have on paper worked to uh, keep the Griffin, the Griffin. And, you know, so he, those things, he takes those things super seriously. And, uh, you know, he, when we brought him up to do stuff at Hillcrest at the Marrow, uh, we wound up at the Marrow doing a POD show. Yeah. I mean, 
That, wow. guy, that guy helps connect the dots. Absolutely. So I'd love to see him sitting in one of these chairs. Uh, another guy I would love to uh, to hang out with, because I, I read his stuff, and I, I think it's very controversial and opinionated, is uh, Seth from City Beat. I'd love to see Seth come in here, and uh, we could just dice it up and just, just see what he uh, see if he's as good with his mouth as he is with his fingers. Cause I've, I've, I've heard him on, I think it was the... 94.9 show when Tim Piles was still over there uh, in when it was him and um, Pete, uh, whatchamacallit, the, when they were the two writers at City Beat, and they were doing that rate your demo thing where they were trashing demos and getting hate mail from the bands, and the bands were sad, and, you know, but oh, yeah. it was classic. He, he's, so they got skills on the mic, too. They're really, really fun to talk to. Pete, Hol- Pete Holson is the other guy, but he doesn't live here anymore. He now writes, I think, for LA Weekly. But yeah, Seth's, Seth's a good guy. I think that there's some value there, too, because I think he wants to interview us as much as we want to interview him. I would love it. And I, like I said, I've read his stuff, and, and I, I re- I'm honestly, I'm a fan. Anytime he has something that comes out, whether it be on social media or in City Beat, um, online or in print, always reading it. I'm, I'm definitely a fan. Um, are, are we just sticking to the music industry, or do we want to go outside the music industry? I, I would never stick to the music industry. Thank goodness. That is a decrepit lot. we got to diversify our agendas. <laughs> Fuck your agenda. <laughs> uh, man, who else? I mean, oh yeah, yeah, I can get some city people in here. You know, we're going to have a mayoral race coming up uh, at some point. Hey, that's... I would love to have 20 minutes with Todd Gloria, but I think his handlers... Would um, they would they would red circle where we said cunt hair, right? <laughs> and they would hey, but they'd put a red heart over where I said there's no cunt hairs in Pacific Beach. It's all bald. <laughs> so yeah, I mean the sky's the limit. You can ask absolutely anybody, and um, they should they if they know what's good for them. How about how about slow mo from uh you know he's he's famous uh, in Pacific Beach. If you've ever been on the boardwalk, you've seen the uh, the old dude on the rollerblades. Oh my god, yeah, yeah. I mean slow mo. I know him. I well, I don't know him personally, but I know where he lives. I can just go knock on his door. I, I mean, the, people like that should be a recurring character. People like that should work at the DMV, right? <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I I'm open for anything. Oh, okay. No, I mean, things will come to it, come to you. People put records out. People put they write books. They do stuff that's super interesting. You can always find somebody who's doing something new. You know, Ann Coulter is pretty desperate right now. She just did that roast. You know, she's doing a book tour. Um, to be honest with you, I would never shy away. It's it seems like it's counterintuitive for everything that I care about. But you know, I, I almost think like. People like you and me, if we ever want to get good at defending, you know, all the stuff we care about, that we have to be ready for the day that we have to talk to Ann Coulter because she's so purposefully bad on every single one of those things. If she gets away with it, it's our fault at some level. That that is true. That is, that is true. I mean, yeah, the, all, all those people. I mean, there's no one. There's one guy who writes for the Huffington Post that is sort of based out of uh, San Diego, but there's no one that's really participating in what I would consider to be the national discourse that's coming out of this market. You know, I always think about the band Rocket from the Crypt. It, we're, it, this is the Crypt. You know, it's not. It doesn't have a whole bunch of um, uh, national agenda. I did see in the paper today, and I can't remember the guy's name. I'm not even going to try. Wait, time out. You get the paper? I don't. I um, use an incognito browser to not pay to read the. UT San Diego and the LA Times every day for free. Good, because I'm never giving UT money. Right. <laughs> uh, Actually, I know I have. But I uh, the guy who's running um, from Utah for president, who is an ex-CIA guy, uh, is formerly from San Diego. And there was a big front page article, and he's name dropping one of his good friends from San Diego. Uh, and he had a really common name, and everybody's like trying to spot who's this guy from San Diego who's trying to run for president, and is this guy under an assumed name, and what's the CIA part, and it's gone crazy. And he's going to be the next uh, presidential candidate, I'm sure, in four to eight to 16 years? Not at all. He's um, going to garner about 1.2% of the vote, most of the state of Utah, and that's it. He's a Mormon, and he's going to absolutely you know, try to take the agenda away from the unmentionable Republican candidate. 
Interesting. Very interesting. All those guys come from here. All the Benghazi guys, all their parents live here. You know, I bet we can actually get some seals because we have, you know, Coronado right there. I mean, it's it's endless. Wait a minute. Time out. Did you just ask me to be your co-host? Yeah. Did you really? Are you a member of the CIA? No. No, 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 no. Have you ever listened to the Alex Jones podcast? <sighs> Info Wars? Not in full. I have to admit something today. Today is September 11th. Yes. Um, I totally did that thing. I looked and read how come Building 7 collapsed. I, I just reread the entire conspiracy theory. Today. Oh, yeah. It still doesn't make sense to me. It makes no sense. I try not to read into it too far because it's just, uh, yeah, it, I, it, it doesn't make sense. I'm not really a uh, conspiracy theorist or anything. Nor am I. I'm not. A, I'm not a truther. I don't. I don't think that um, there is some other story, or if there is, it is the story anyway. Does it really matter who blew the towers up? Somebody blew our towers up. Yeah, I. You know, I, I take it as a more. You know, nine eleven to the, to the innocent people that lost their lives. Uh, you know, and I pay respects to that. And the people that uh, are responsible in any way, shape, or form can go fuck themselves. Yeah, and go. And fuck their agenda. Right. Who, um, if you did lose somebody that um, you loved on September 11th, 2001, and it hasn't been determined that, in fact, it wasn't, you know, 500 guys in the Afghan desert. It was, you know, Mossad or something along those lines. And there was some other triangular agenda that was, that was being put out to, to get it done. Does that matter to you? It doesn't. Mm. It's just as random as getting hit crossing Mission Boulevard. Your your loved one left the house and wound up dead. Right. You know, exactly. There's nothing else to it. But I mean, that that's the weird thing. I some of these things they just never get solved, and there's nothing hit that building. And you can't tell me that a fire at a building a little ways down the way like weakened it to the point that it just decided to crumble on itself. Right. It made no sense whatsoever. Made zero sense. I'm a, but I'm, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I, I try not to. I need some facts. Uh, it was interesting watching the NFL today and see the uh, the, the players uh, standing or not standing for the national anthem. I think that issue is uh, it's a very passionate, and I don't want to get too far into it. Um, but uh, it was just interesting to see a, a few more people actually taking a knee during it, especially on 9/11. That is a career. Uh, career suicide, as far as as I think, uh, it's very dangerous. So uh, be careful out there, football players. Uh, watch what you do and how you do it. I mean, you you have to understand though. If you live in San Diego, you don't have like, Julie Roberts. Ju- Julie Roberts doesn't live here. Uh, it, you know, we don't have real celebrities, right? We have B list and C list celebrities, so people who are newscasters and Padres and Chargers. So those guys run around with a different air about them. And what has inevitably happened in the you know 25 plus years that I've been around here is they get into a lot of trouble. So they have a ton of interaction with the police. You know, and Jackson being arrested on his way to the playoff game, you know, for a suspended license for like two DWIs is one of them. But then the guy who had the... Uh, had the classic car who was driving down the 805 and got chased by an off-duty Coronado policeman who wound up shooting him and his girlfriend at their place in Kearney Mesa. Right. You know, they should be leading the charge in terms of dialogue with the police because they're largely African-American and they have a genuine beef with how they get singled out. And Alan Iverson in Philadelphia getting, you know, pulled over, with weed and a gun in his car and him just being, you know, demonized, like, you got to go to jail. This is all bad. You're doing everything wrong. You should be a role model. And he's like, but wait, you can't protect me. You know, I'm, I'm running around with, you know, 40 grand worth of stuff in my car, you know, jewelry and stuff. What am I going to do? I'm going to call you. Right. And you're going to go to the part of town where I'm in, where you don't try to go at all. And you're going to try to protect me. How's that going to work? Right. You know, guys like me get shot and robbed all the time. You're not going to protect me. I have to protect myself. So for the cost of protecting myself, I get to also get you know a, a record and go to jail. Right. Those guys should be leading that dialogue. So they're use, the use best. The platform. They're the best representatives that there are. I think it's a great thing. I think they're kind of being squeamish 
and I think 9-11 had a lot to play in the squeamishness. They, they happen to have that be the first day of the NFL. Right. But they're starting. They're not going to let it go. Right. We'll have to have this conversation be part of the next conversation. Thanks so much for coming out. I think you got the job. I got the job? I think you got the job. Oh, awesome. Thank you. Until next time, FYA, let's talk. Uh.